Seek um, is really a call to a quest to obtain something. Seek is an invitation upon a quest. It's, it's, it's Paul sort of teasing us into this idea that, that, that he's calling us into a great adventure of seeking something. It's, it has to do with desire and longing. Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. I know it's easy to just kind of want to, life can get tough and things can get hard and distractions are everywhere, but don't settle for just this. You have been qualified for something so much greater. And this is not, I refuse to believe that this call of, of, of seeking and setting, that this qualification of ascension is just when, oh, I fly away, oh, glory. This is Sozo Church. First, we've got uh, Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. It says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Everybody say new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Next, we've got Ezekiel eleven nineteen says, and I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. How many people know that's the good news right there, amen? Uh, next, uh, we've got 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. And then Romans 18, 8, 18, my favorite verses in the Bible. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy, are not worthy comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning for your word. God, I thank you that your word is a living and active word and not a dead and a passive word. And God, I thank you that you are a God who does new things. I thank you that you're a God who's, who does new things and that you've been doing the same new thing for 2,000 years, and yet it's a new thing. It's still a new thing. And so, God, we're asking for fresh eyes to see, fresh ears to hear the new thing that you're doing in the hearts and the lives and the spirit of your people. Lord, I, I pray this morning that that you would invade this time, you would invade this space, that this wouldn't be a, just another kind of going through the motions of religious duty and observation, but rather, God, we would, we would encounter you, we would see you for who you really are, and that you would touch hearts this day. God, that you would transform lives. Lord, speak to our hearts. Let, it, let, let what you speak go deep within the very fiber of who we are, that it might transform us on the deepest level possible, that you might be glorified and that we might know the fullness of joy that is ours in you and by you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? So we are, we are uh, launching this series called New. And if I'm gonna be completely transparent, um, this is a uh, false advertising campaign. One, because like I said, during prayer, God's doing something new, but it's the same new thing he's been doing for 2,000 years. Um, 
but also because we're saying this series is called New, and really we're just continuing in our series through Colossians. So is it really new, or did we just call it new like Apple does and charge you more money for it? Um, and uh, anyways, we, we, uh, we're, we're jumping into uh, Colossians chapter 3 and 4, which we'll get to reading that here in a moment. But what I, what I want us to see is that Paul has invested in chapters one and two, so two full chapters. If you do the math real fast, 52 verses. He's invested in trying to show us that Jesus is greater than everything. That name something and Jesus is greater than it. Yes, even the chocolate cake that you had before, last night, he's better than it. He's better than everything. He's greater than everything. He's, he's invested in that, trying to show us that he's a, a superior picture of God. He is, is a superior savior. He is the full and total, complete revelation of God to man. He's greater than everything. He's superior to all of it. And now he kind of shifts and he moves in chapters three and four to look at the response the appropriate response of God's people to this reality. And so I'm gonna go ahead and read now Colossians chapter three, verse one. I know we read a whole bunch of verses earlier, just trying to get those in your hearing. This will be where we spend the, the bulk of our time this morning. Colossians chapter three, verse one says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, catch this, catch this, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This morning, I wanna look at this passage. I want us to, to see this as really the launching point for us in understanding this whole concept and idea of new. You see, Jesus came and he, he raises us and he reconciles us to himself. And, and what we need to understand as we move forward is he did not do that for no reason. But there's a purpose in your resurrection. There's a purpose in your restoration. There's a purpose in the redemption that you experience in Christ. So I just wanna walk through this verse because I feel like if, if we don't get these first uh, verses solidified in our heart, we're gonna move on. And, and in this series, it's gonna touch on, uh, on what the gospel does to the way we, we relate to our spouses. It's gonna touch on how we relate to our kids, how we relate to our workplace, how we work, relate to those above us in our work and below us in our work and how we relate. But, but if we don't get this piece, what we're gonna talk about today, firmly rooted in our heart, it's very easy to make what's gonna come into just moralism. We'll just be a good person. Just do better than you did before. Listen, if you could do better than you did before, you'd have already done it already. That's not what's being taught here. What's being taught is that when we set our affections properly on Christ, it affects everything. And if it isn't affecting everything in your life, I love you, it's because your affections are not firmly rooted in him. That doesn't usually get very many amens. Um, so we're gonna, we're gonna look through this. And, and, and I, I wanna, I need you, <laughs> I need you to give me a little bit of rope. Can you trust me after so many years of pastoring here? Give me a little bit of rope, because here's the deal. First one, if then you have been raised with Christ. I, I need to say something. Don't respond, don't raise your hand, don't identify yourself, but just think to yourself, are you convinced that you have been raised with Christ? 
Have you experienced that re- redemption? Have you repented of your sins? Have you, have you admitted, abandoned, and embraced? Admitted you're a sinner, abandoned your sin, and embraced Christ. If, if that's happened to you, then I need you to hear what I'm about to say. Will you do me a favor and ignore the if? I don't normally tell you to ignore the Bible. Don't do that as a general practice. But I think we can get hung up on the if and miss the call. So, so if you would, just don't trip on the if. Just move on to what he's saying. Because what Paul does here is he, he shines a light and he says you, he calls us to two primary things. He calls us to two uh, primary things. The, the two things he calls us to is to seek and set. Seek and set. If, if, you, uh, if you need a title this morning, I should have done this first. If you need a title for this morning, for this message, it's New Life. I know we give you these booklets. They have a place for a title. You yell at me when I don't give you a title. There you go, New Life. Do you need me to leave it up so you get the spelling right? Okay. Um, the thing that, that Paul calls us to do is seek and set. To seek and set. And here, here's what I, I want you to to grasp here, seek uh, specifically, um, oops, skipped it, oh my goodness, where am I going? I hate technology. Seek um, is really a call to a quest to obtain something. Seek is an invitation upon a quest. It's, it's, it's Paul sort of teasing us into this idea that, that, that he's calling us into a great adventure of seeking something. It's, it has to do with desire and longing. But what I want us to understand is that we, we seek that which we crave. We seek that which we crave. We, we, we search for it. We seek it out. But that seeking is not done simply as a, an exercise, but rather with the purpose of finding. I fear that specifically in sort of a... a neo-Pentecostal, charismatic, Holy Spirit, river chick churches, we think seeking is the thing in and of itself when that's never been the case. The, The call is not just to seek, the call is to seek to find. And when you dig in here, and I'm not gonna go super deep into uh, Greek and Hebrew because I know like three of you love it and the rest of you fall asleep. Um, but when you, when you dig into this word seek that Paul uses here, it actually uh, is Greek, but it comes from a Hebrew word that specifically is a word used as a call to worship. So what I wanna tell you is this, that seeking is really about seeking his presence. It's about seeking an encounter with him, not, not just a, a momentary, uh, a kind of a temporary thing, but rather a lifestyle of seeking him. It, yes, seeking definitely, I want to be clear on this, has moments and seasons of greater intensity. That's just the reality of our life, ebb and flow. The oceans do it, your heart rate does it. It's, it's a normal part of living. I'm not trying to propose some sort of artificial, constantly keep yourself on an emotional high. But what I am calling us to is that our life would be marked by a attitude of constantly seeking the very presence of God. Realize that Paul has tried to show us, man, that Jesus is better than everything. He's, he's painted this glorious, accurate, true picture of how amazing Jesus is. And now what he's trying to tell us is this, that is not a God that you are called to know from a distance, but you are called to seek him out, to search for him, to look for him, to worship him. I, I love 
I love the way that he, he says it here. He says, seek him who is above. Seated at the right hand of God. If, if I'm gonna try to pastor you here for a moment, I wanna address the number one reason that I see people stop seeking. And that is we stop seeking, and I'm not trying to be clever here. I, I mean this truthfully. We stop seeking his presence because we're too obsessed with our present. We, we get wrapped up in the problems and the difficulties or in the triumphs and the joys of our current life and we, we fixate upon the present not realizing that on the negative side, his presence can transform your present. And then on the, on the positive side, and, and I, I wanna be careful here, his presence is better than your present. Do we all remember anybody who was saved in the 90s? Better is one day in your courts. We sang it over and over and over again. It was one of those songs you got stuck in and you couldn't figure out how to get out of. And we called that a move of the Holy Spirit. Um, it Better is one day in his courts. Come on, than a thousand elsewhere. In case you don't realize it, that's quoting the Bible. Better is one day in his courts. It's better. His presence trumps your present because he's seated there. Now, I wanna be clear on something because he's talking about this above, seek the things that are above. And he uses that term, and if you've hung around in church very much, your mind's gonna instantly go to the idea of heaven. And I don't think that's wrong or bad, but I wanna define some of this for us so that we're not just using words that get us emotionally excited but have no substance to actually build our lives on, amen? What I mean by heaven, or when I say above, or, or even when, when we talk about this, what I'm saying is that, that it's a, a, a superior dimension we call heaven. It's a superior dimension named heaven. It's a superior person named Jesus. Because how many of you realize that heaven is Jesus? You take Jesus out of heaven, it ceases to be heaven. He is the treasure of heaven. Pr prove it, preacher. Okay, if you, if you go to Revelation, which we're not gonna do right now, but if you take some time and go to Revelation and look at the description of where we will spend eternity with him, you'll notice an interesting fact. All of the building materials are, are built and they are clear. They, they, they can, you can see through them and it, it speaks on one hand to the purity of them. But I believe there's a deeper thing that God's trying to show his people in that, and that is this, that despite the fact that he wants to build us a glorious dwelling place in a place filled with, with things for our enjoyment and for our fulfillment, nothing in that place will stand between your ability to see him. So even the grand structures that he builds for us to live in won't keep us from seeing him because he's the whole point of heaven. He's the whole thing that makes heaven heaven. So when we're talking about thinking and, and seeking above, what we're talking about, yes, is a superior dimension called heaven, or maybe I can use this word, a superior reality called eternity. But subtract Jesus from that equation and it's, it's literally worthless. It just becomes another distraction that keeps us from him and he refuses to allow that to happen. So seek is the first one we're called to do. The things that are above, which is Jesus. He then calls us to set. Well, if seek, listen to me here, if seek is about presence, I believe set is about perspective. If seek is about, about a lifestyle marked with a rhythm of seeking him 
and seeking his presence. I believe that Paul here isn't just clarifying how you seek, but he's giving us the other leg to this lifestyle, right? You have two legs because you, you move back and forth between them. And I believe set is the every moment. The set is the take every thought captive. It's the perspective. It's the way we process. Have you ever noticed, I find this intriguing, that two people can, can watch the same event and see something totally different. Why? Because they have a perspective that's different from one another. That's why you went to go see Star Wars and you hated it, and I was right because I loved it. So we have different perspective. <laughs> just want to see how many people can get angry at me before I'm even halfway through the message. Um, no, that's, that's why people have differing opinions. We have, why? Because we have different perspectives. We process things differently. Can I get an amen from all the married people? Right? Like we process, two people can see the same things, but not see the same thing. So if set is a call, or if seek is a call to worship and encounter his presence, set is a call to permanently, catch this please, to permanently affix your perspective on the superior dimension called heaven in direct contrast to the inferior dimension called here. I'm gonna say that again. It's a call to permanently affix your perspective. You understand what I'm saying there? It's, it's that's how I'm gonna process all this. I'm not gonna process it any other way. That's it, he says, set your mind on the things above not on the things on earth. He says it's a call to permanently affix your perspective on the superior dimension called heaven in direct contrast to the inferior dimension called here. The only way you can do that, let me, let me, let me put some roots to this, the only way you can do that is through here. This is not a call to uh, sort of baptize uh, some sort of Eastern form of meditation and just sit in your room and, and just hum and expect to receive a revelation from heaven. I, I love you. I am as charismatic as the next guy. This is the full revelation of what God has spoken to his people and there's a period on the end of it. Okay, that this is what God is saying to us. If you wanna know what heaven is like, you need to know who Jesus is, amen? And if you wanna know who Jesus is, you'll find everything right here. Give yourself to the deep and the meaningful study of God's word and set your mind on what it says beyond what you see. Are you with me? That's the call, that's the mandate, that's how we set, we take every thought captive, why, how, to the obedience, the Bible says, of Jesus. We don't get hung up on the here, we set our mind, we set our gaze there. I wanna just give you a quick little test here to see how you're doing in this area. This isn't condemnation, this is liberation. When your mind is free of distraction, where does it go? Does anybody even remember a time when you could have a mind free of distraction? I remember I, when, when I was a, a, a teenager, I didn't have my driver's license because I, there was a bus system here in Spokane, so I just rode the bus everywhere, which gave me a lot of free time. And this was before these wonderful glowing rectangles. It was before all of that, and, and I'm gonna fully and completely admit even before I had the addiction of distraction, my mind did not tend to just automatically go when free from distraction to the glorious nature of who Jesus is. It just didn't. But can I tell you that's what Paul's calling us to do when he says set 
your mind on the things above. Because they're better. Do you understand what I'm saying? This isn't like set them up there because you, you, you need to, and you have to, and if you don't, you're a bad person. No, it's look, there's a better thing for you to think about than whatever you're thinking about. And that better thing has a name, and his name is Jesus. That's where our minds should go. That's where our hearts should be led. When you have no distraction, does, does your mind go there? I think essentially what Paul's saying in these first two verses is this, and I already put it up there. Resurrection, yeah, whatever. Resurrection qualifies you for ascension. Resurrection qualifies you for ascension. Let me unpack that for you for a second. So Paul says, if you have been raised with Christ, did everybody catch that? I would, I would suggest for your consideration that that's not just a flowery metaphor. He's saying that the reality of, of your resurrection is just like Jesus, that, that when, when Jesus was raised, you were raised. You, you may not have realized that until the moment that you finally were willing to admit that you suck at life and he doesn't. But it happened then, it was sealed then, it was accomplished then. He didn't say, it is finished, sort of. He said it is finished. He was raised, we were raised with him. Well, what happened to Jesus after he was raised? He had a season here, amen? But he had a destination far beyond here. And what I think Paul's trying to tell us is this, don't get stuck in this season, realize there's a superior season. What Jesus did in the season that he was here, post-resurrection, pre-ascension, was, was to see the fulfillment of this, this reality coming to this reality which is, beloved, the mandate of the church, to see the, the, the kingdom of heaven become a real and established thing here. And side note, you can talk to me later, we're not gonna fail at that. We'll talk about that later. So resurrection qualifies you for ascension. So, so what I'm trying to say with that phrase is this. Don't settle for here. Seek and set don't settle, seek and set. I know it's easy to just kind of want to, life can get tough and things can get hard and distractions are everywhere, but don't settle for just this. You have been qualified for something so much greater. And this is not, I refuse to believe that this call of, of, of seeking and setting, that this qualification of ascension is just when, oh, I fly away, oh, glory, when I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. I don't think this is just some promise for another life in another place. It, do we have the promise of another life in another place? Absolutely. But why did Jesus call us and teach us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, if that was just something he was never gonna do? We're, we're, we're qualified for ascension now. That is not a realm we have to wait for. That is not a, a thing we have to wonder about and just stay distant from. Why, why, why? What am I saying? What I'm saying is this, because if heaven is all about Jesus, you have unfettered access to him now. So don't settle for something less. Don't settle for something cheaper than what he bought for you. Don't settle for these, these worthless things. I'm not saying they're worthless, I'm saying they're worth less, which means they're worthless. 
They're distractions. And here's what I love, verse three. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I believe that in an act of overwhelming love and absolutely unbelievable grace, that God will not allow his beloved to be satisfied with anything less than him. Your very life is hidden in him. And you think you can find fulfillment and satisfaction somewhere else? Your life is in him. You will not find the joy that your heart longs for. You will not find the fulfillment for what you need outside of him. You will only find it in him. And he qualified you to find it in him and he hid it there. It's an act of love. Some of you have spent your whole believing life being frustrated and, and, and not feeling satisfied and you've thought it's because you bought into a lie and you've struggled and wondered if maybe this whole Jesus thing isn't really all it's cracked up to be and what you don't realize is that's actually a gift he's given you to not settle with just halfway. But to press on, to seek, and to set. Because ultimately, here, here's, here's the reality. This is what, what I believe. When he's speaking here about our life being hidden in him, I believe you will only find your home in him. I believe you'll only find home in him. What do I mean by home? Home, I'm gonna go really fast on this. Home is peace, place, and purpose. And you're only gonna find it in him. You're gonna find it somewhere else. So what people are searching for are these things. Looking for peace, an end to strife, an end to, to the, the, the restlessness that can be in our heart. And you won't find it in a 12-step program, and you won't find it in, in, in a, a better car or a, a nice house or, or, you know, come on, a big fat retirement account, early retirement, an easy death, no hell. You won't find the peace that you long for and just kind of going through the, that sort of life, but rather we find it in him because in him there is no more striving and there is no more trying to earn something that you never were capable of earning that can only be given to you as a gift. We have peace and that from that peace, we find our place. When you think about home, we have a house, we have a home. I have kids and they all live in my home and eat all my food. And you know what? They have a place in my home. It's, it's their place. They have their rooms in it and they decorate them however they want. Teenagers, that means they trash their room however they want. It's their place. And I tell you, you're, you're not gonna find your identity in searching for your identity. You're only gonna find your identity in being rooted and founded and planted in him and finding him as your home. That's where we find our place. Once we found our, our place, that's where we discover our purpose, that out of who we're called to be, we find out what we're called to do. But if you get these out of order, you'll, you'll, you'll never have any of them. If you try to find your purpose when you're not at peace, come on somebody, you'll, you'll, you'll constantly be trying to earn your purpose rather than receive your purpose. If you, if you try to find your, 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 your place without being at peace, you'll think you have to earn your place. My kids don't have to earn their room. Trust me, they can't afford it. But they don't have to. And they don't feel guilty about it either, come on. Never once have my kids come to me and said, you know what, I just really wanna thank you for the sacrifices you've made to give us a house. They've never said that. And I don't expect them ever to. Because it's my joy to provide a home for my kids. 
It's the same thing with the Lord. He gives us peace from a place of peace where we stop and we rest and we realize I don't have to strive. I don't have to earn anything. I'm gonna touch on something. I'm gonna compare myself to my other siblings. Just be at peace. This is me. Jacked up, messed up, broken, but me. Here I am. I don't get kicked out. From that, I find that I have a place here. From that place of knowing who I am flows from who I'm called to be is what I'm called to do. And God, in a, in, a, in a reckless act of love, will not allow you to find that anywhere else. You'll be frustrated and angry and upset until you find it in him. That's what it means, I believe, when it says your life is hidden with him. Last, we'll end here in verse four. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I, I wanna touch on this real fast. When Christ appears, I, I think it could be referring, I think a, a right and a good interpretation of that could be referring to a second coming, to the return of Christ. When Christ appears, I think that's a, a right and good uh, understanding. And, and I'm not gonna deny you if that's when you read this, that's what you hear. But if, if I'm gonna be honest, when, as I pondered through this verse, it, that interpretation didn't fit with the rest of it. Because everything in verses one through three has been do this now, do this now, do this now. And I don't think Paul's then saying because way, 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 way in the future something cool's gonna happen. I would propose once again for your consideration the understanding that there's, there's a now part of this as well that as we, let me, let me follow with me here if you can, as we seek him, as we set our minds on him, we are more fully transformed to be like him, thus fulfilling our original Genesis purpose of bearing his image, and thus fulfilling the New Testament, New Covenant call of, of shining forth his glorious nature through the gospel and seeing the kingdom advance in the earth, and that those two purposes now become one purpose in being transformed into the likeness of Christ, and that when he is seen through us, we share in his glory. Not in a selfish, it's my glory, dude, it's all his glory. I don't even wanna touch it, because the last dude that touched his glory died. No thanks. But rather, as we are molded and shaped into him, we image him forth, we shine forth his glorious nature better. I believe that's what he's calling us to in this, is to realize that as we seek, come on, we find. That here's what I know, though. Your propensity to seek and set, your propensity to do that is proportional to the value you place on a dimension called eternity and a man called Jesus. The higher the value you set there, the greater you see the true value that he has, the more you will lean into that. And I think personally that our response is proportional to our understanding of our redemption. That when we understand what we have been redeemed, not only from, but for, Suddenly now, seeking and setting isn't a laborious thing, but it's a source of joy. It's a source of life. It's a source of transforming power that transforms us into the very purpose for which we were created. 
so my question for you is, is, I don't mean this condemningly. I mean it as an honest question to ask yourself. What value do you place on Jesus? What value do you place on him? How valuable is he? Is, 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 is he just valuable enough? I love you, but is he just valuable enough for a, a weekly interaction? Or is he valuable enough to seek a never-ending encounter? Where his mercies are new every morning and where I see him more clearly moment by moment as I set my attention and my affection on him.